All thanks and praise is due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray, and whoever God leads astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but God, and Muhammad is a prophet and servant of God. You who believe, be mindful of God, as is God's due, and make sure you devote yourself to God to your dying moment. So just a few days ago, we celebrated the end of Ramadan, which is our month of fasting. How many of you felt like the last month went by really fast? <laughs> Anyone not? <laughs> Yeah, you know, a part of me always feels like Ramadan just ended too soon, and I find myself wishing that the month could just keep going on. I actually love Ramadan. It's my favorite time of the year, because when I'm fasting, I feel strong and confident and happy, and I love the way our community comes together during Ramadan. Now, I must admit, that I actually find it really easy to fast at a physical level. It doesn't cause me any sense of hardship, uh, physically, mentally, or emotionally. Even these last few years, when Ramadan has come over the summer and the fasting days have been around 16 hours long, I found it easy to fast. I can even be around food that I love and see other people eating while I'm fasting and I'm not bothered by it. I feel no temptation to break my fast. In fact, I was thinking, would I break my fast if someone offered me a million dollars or 10 million or even a billion dollars? And my answer was a very firm and clear, decisive, no way. Not for all the money in the world would I ever willingly break my fast. It's just that important to me and I'm just that committed to it. This wasn't always the case. When I first started uh, practicing fasting, I was around six, seven years old, and I found it challenging. Like our khatiba last month, oh, there you are, yeah. <laughs> I too gave in to the temptation of the cookie on more than one occasion. Yeah, I remember I was around 14 years old, the first time I successfully managed to fast the entire Ramadan. And Alhamdulillah, all praises due to God, now after 21 years of more practice, I've grown very comfortable and very competent going through the process, at least at a physical level. So having said that, I have another confession to make. The very things I find so easy to say no to while I'm fasting, I can struggle to practice self-restraint around when I'm not fasting. Even during Ramadan, during the night hours when we are allowed to eat and drink, I can find myself challenged to stay away from food and drink. I particularly struggle to resist eating foods that I know are not good for me, that in fact my doctor has forbidden me to eat. Foods like deep fried samosas and pakoras and sugary rich desserts like brownies and ice cream. When I see such foods before me and I'm not fasting, 
my mouth starts to water. And then, like, in the cartoons and the movies, the debate between the angel and the devil on the shoulder, this starts, and they are arguing with each other, one for me eating those tasty temptations and the other not. And I would say it's about half and half. Like, half the time I will win, and half the time I lose the battle for self-restraint. How many of you had a similar experience? How many of you find it easier to exercise self-restraint around food or other things more effectively when you're fasting than when you're not yeah right okay so thank you for your honesty I, i'm glad to know that i'm not alone in this experience and so it was actually this realization that led me to uh, today's khutbah topic the question for me uh, is why? Why is it so much easier for us to practice self-restraint around food when we are fasting and so much more challenging when we are not? What is it about the process of fasting that creates the ease? If we can understand this, then inshallah, God willing, we can consciously apply those lessons in our lives and create ease for ourselves whenever we need even outside the ritual of fasting. Good or good? Yeah. So I started my contemplation on this issue with the question, what is the most important lesson of fasting? The answer that emerged from my heart is that the most important lesson of fasting is to be faithful to yourself and God. That is to stay in integrity with our intention of fasting. When we fast, we stay committed to the process of fasting. We don't cheat, we, were, we don't waver in our intention, and we do it knowing that we are fasting for the sake of God and our own hearts and souls and minds. When we keep our commitment to ourselves, we learn to trust ourselves. And it is paramount that we learn to trust ourselves. Trust in ourselves is the foundation of our self-confidence and self-esteem. When we can trust ourselves, we know we will keep our word to ourselves and we can do anything we set our mind and heart to. How many times have you been foiled in your intentions and goals for no better reason than that you did not Keep your word to yourself. Yeah. Fasting teaches us that we can keep our word to ourselves when we really want and desire it. And when we are fully committed to the process of doing what we intend to do. So the first lesson of fasting is to be faithful to ourselves and God. To commit ourselves fully to what we intend to do. So now the question is, what allows us to so fully commit that we give ourselves no other choice but to do that thing we wish to commit to? Now there are a number of factors that go into creating such a mindset. Given our time constraints, I'm going to focus on sharing just three of those most important factors. Number one, commit to doing no harm. Number two, 
create the right environment of loving support and accountability. And number three, love yourself fully. Now, let's dig into each of these factors in turn. Factor number one to fully commit is to set our intention to do no harm, no harm to self or others. One way we do this in Ramadan is that we do not engage in the physical aspect of fasting if it is going to harm our health. If we harm ourselves or others in the process of fulfilling our intentions and our desires, then our conscience cannot be easy and that will make our intentions waver. And in this case, it's a good thing that our intentions waver, true or true. So commit to doing no harm to yourself or others. Now, one way we can live this commitment to do no harm is to never commit to doing something at the cost of our conscience or our values or our inner peace or what we love. It is important, very, very important that we never compromise on our values or our inner peace or our love and happiness. This is because when we are doing what we love and we are happy and we are at peace, this is how we know that what we are doing is right and it's good for us and it is also what is pleasing to God. In the Quran, in chapter 48, verse 18, it is related, Indeed, well pleased was God with the believers, and so God bestowed inner peace from them bestowed inner peace upon them from on high. Remember, one of the names of God is As-Salam, the source of peace. And God bestows inner peace upon us as a signal of God's pleasure, as a signal that we are on the straight path, that what we are doing is good for us. So the more strongly we are connected to our peace and our happiness and our love, the more strongly we are connected to God. Great or great. On the other side of the coin are what we think of as our negative feelings, like sadness, anger, hatred, etc. Actually, these feelings are also a gift of God. God has installed these negative feelings in us to function like alarm bells. Anytime we begin to deviate from the straight path or there is something we need that we are not getting, these negative feelings warn us. If you ignore their warning and don't course correct, they actually get louder and more intense and therefore more difficult to ignore. And that is a good thing, isn't it? That's right. So anytime you experience negative feelings, including when you find your intentions wavering, don't make the mistake of ignoring or suppressing your feelings. Listen to the feedback they're offering you. Thank God for that feedback and use it as an opportunity to course correct. You do that by making sure that what you intend to do is in alignment with your highest values that it does no harm to yourself or others, and it is something that you love to do, and it brings you inner peace and happiness. Once you've made sure of this, then you just get to remind yourself of what your intention is, 
and that it is something you made because it's good for you. It is something that you love to do, something that brings you peace and happiness. And nothing is more important than doing what you love and what brings you peace and happiness. So you give yourself no other choice but to fulfill your intention. The temptation, the wavering of intention you're experiencing in that moment is just a passing thought. You let it go and then choose to recommit to your intention. Remember, you choose your life. You choose your actions and your intentions. So choose to stay true to yourself. As the saying goes, life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And if you're going to create yourself in the best ways, you have to maintain the highest levels of integrity with yourself first and foremost. Just remind yourself of what you love to do and why you love to do it. The temptation will pass. Once you've committed to and ensured that you're doing no harm, you're ready to act upon the second critical factor that allows us to fully commit to our intentions. Factor number two is to create the right environment of loving support and accountability for what you intend to do. During Ramadan, one of the ways we create the right environment is by connecting to our community. We break fast together, we pray together, we share our challenges and triumphs together, and we are taught to be patient with each other and to be kind and generous and given. So we strive to be on our very best behavior and keep our tempers in check and share our food, and we give even more in charity than we usually do. True or true? So, if there is an intention that you are struggling to fully commit to, ask yourself, how can I create an environment that provides me with more loving support and accountability? Particularly, if you're still alone, if you have yet to find a community that is willing to support you in fulfilling your intentions, what can you do? For example, what happens if you're the only Muslim around and your friends and family think you're crazy for fasting? How can you create the right environment then? In that case, you have to redouble your self-love and self-support and self-accountability. You must love yourself and support yourself and hold yourself accountable even more. So for example, in Ramadan, that may mean that you have to take more time for yourself, by yourself, to do things to take care of you and love you even more. Stay away from those who are producing negative energy that you find difficult to counter. And at the same time, strengthen yourself. Strengthen your resolve and your habit of finding the good in what is. This way, you can find the good in the negativity others are directing at you and transform it into something good. That allows you to proactively create the positive environment you need both within yourself and outside of yourself. So you shift your mindset. You find the good in what people are saying and doing. So if someone thinks you're crazy for fasting, you see in that their concern for your well-being. They're concerned that you might hurt yourself by going hungry and thirsty. 
When you recognize that their criticism is coming from a place of concern, you can focus your attention on addressing that concern. Thank them for their concern. Thank God that you have people in your life who love you enough to be concerned for your well-being. And let that person know that you appreciate that their concern and that you're being careful, that you're taking steps to ensure that you're safe and you'll be well. Imagine if you were on the receiving end of such appreciation and thanks from someone you had just criticized. What would be your most likely reaction? Look, while we cannot really control how other people think, feel, and act. And therefore, we can give no guarantees how someone will react to us in a given situation. There is no denying that we do exert a strong influence on each other and our emotions are contagious. Think about it. When you're around people who are angry or sad, don't you find your own mood becoming more negative and your energy dropping? And similarly, when you are around people who are happy or joyfully excited, don't you find your own mood becoming more positive and more uplifted? That's right. So you have the power to create the right environment around you by creating change from the inside out. The more strongly you're grounded in your emotion, whether it is positive or negative, the more strongly influential you will be. So work on grounding yourself even more strongly in your positive emotions like peace and happiness and joy. Ground yourself more strongly in your positive emotions than others are grounded in their negative emotions. Do this and you will become the one infecting everyone with your positivity while also effectively protecting yourself from other people's negativity. Now there are two main ways you can ground yourself even more strongly in your positive emotions. The first, we already talked about when we were talking about the first factor that allows you to commit fully to your intentions. That is to make sure whatever you do is in alignment with your highest values and it is something you love to do and it's something that brings you inner peace and happiness. The second is actually also the third factor that allows us to fully commit to our intentions. Factor number three is to love yourself fully. And I will expand on this more in the second half of the khutbah, inshallah. I have said what I have said. May God forgive us all. Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks are due to God alone. So now the question is, how do you love yourself fully? Well, love requires trust. Trust that you care. Trust that you will do the very best for the one you love. And that trust is as deep as your integrity is strong. The more deeply you can trust the one you love will do what is best for you, the deeper your love will be. Trust and love go hand in hand. So when you trust yourself more deeply, you're able to love yourself more deeply. 
When others are able to trust you more deeply, they're able to love you more deeply. So now you see why it is so critical for us to practice fasting. Fasting teaches us to trust ourselves more deeply, to know that we have the power to keep our word, our commitment, and do it in such a way that we cause no harm. One way we do this during Ramadan is by holding to the discipline of fasting. We do not take the discipline of it lightly. We create a schedule of what to do and when, and we hold to that schedule. We start and end our fast on time, every time, and we pray on time, every time. We make it happen by holding our strong intention to make it happen. We make it a high priority. You can do the same in any other area of your life where you currently find yourself struggling to establish greater self-trust. That is, create a schedule around what you need to do and make it a high priority to follow that schedule in a disciplined way. Having said that, how many of you find following a new schedule that you have created a difficult thing to do? Anyone not? So here is a tip for making that process easier. We acknowledged earlier that it is easier for us to practice self-restraint and be disciplined when we're fasting. We associate self-restraint and discipline very strongly with the process of fasting. True or true? So why not use fasting as a tool to help us become more disciplined throughout the year? If you look at the tradition of our prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, we see that this is in fact exactly what he did. In addition to the obligatory fasting during Ramadan, the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, also fasted for six days in Shawwal, that is the month we are in right now, the month that comes right after Ramadan. With the exception of Eid day, you can fast on any six days in Shawwal. And this is a practice that is strongly recommended for us by the Prophet, peace be upon him. The Prophet also fasted every Monday and Thursday throughout the year. There's also evidence of his fasting on the 13th, 14th, and 15th of the lunar month on a regular basis. And even if we are not willing or able to fast throughout the year at a physical level in the way we do in Ramadan, we can take a page out of the book of our interfaith friends who practice different types of fasting and use some of those alternative ways of fasting to help ourselves outside of Ramadan. For example, some of my Hindu friends do fasts where they will only eat raw food or only eat one type of simple food like boiled rice and lentils. So they're still getting nutrition and are able to maintain good energy for work and yet they are benefiting from the practice of self-restraint. I have Christian friends who will choose to fast from a specific food or a specific bad habit for the 40 days of Lent. One of my friends who's a committed Christian practices fasting from complaining, comparing, and criticizing. So you see, we can use fasting to help us let go of specific bad habits or help us develop new ones, new good habits. Great or great.
So as you strive to establish even greater self-trust and self-discipline, it is critical that you love yourself even more fully by being kind to yourself, just as God is kind to us. One way God shows us kindness is by forgiving us our mistakes. God forgives us again and again and again. As long as we keep trying with an open heart and good intentions, God does not give up on us. The Quran teaches us again and again that God is a Ghafur and a Rahim, the often returning, the most merciful, the forgiver, the dispenser of grace. These are also qualities that we are to cultivate in ourselves. So do not give up on yourself. Even if you make a mistake, repent and return to God through love. Love yourself by forgiving yourself and others. It can be hard enough for us to develop new habits of self-discipline. Don't add to your difficulties unnecessarily by holding on to negative emotions. Remember what I said earlier, our negative emotions are like alarm bells. Once you recognize what has gone wrong and you're ready to take corrective action, you can safely turn the alarm bells off and you need to turn them off. Just imagine what it would be like if your fire alarm kept ringing constantly. If it didn't turn off even after the fire was out, it would become highly dysfunctional, wouldn't it? The same is true of our negative emotions, like anger, shame, and guilt. We need to let them go once we have recognized our mistake and shift our focus on taking corrective action. We can do so by taking responsibility. That is to recognize that we are always responsible. We are always able to respond to whatever our circumstances may be. Remember, God has promised us in the Quran that God will never burden us with more than we can bear. So taking responsibility this way does not require you to blame or judge anyone, not even yourself. One thing that really helps create this kind of positive, forward-looking mindset is to remind ourselves that there is always more than one way to accomplish any goal or intention. So for example, during Ramadan, we are taught that it is very important that we read the Quran. Ideally, that we finish reading the entire Quran during Ramadan. Reading the Quran connects us to God because we believe that the Quran is God's word. But what if you are unable to read the Quran during Ramadan? Well, in the Quran, chapter 2, verse 186. And if my servants ask thee about me, behold, I am near. I respond to the call of the one who calls, whenever they call unto me. Let them then respond unto me and believe in me so that they might follow the right way. Recitation of the Quran is just one way for us to connect to God. Even if we do not perform this particular ritual or we don't perform it perfectly, we can still connect to God in other ways. And the other ways can be as simple as our calling onto God and our holding the intention of connecting to God through the act of fasting itself.
And God responds to our call, our intentions, with guidance in the ways that work best for us. That way might look like you're watching a TV program or talking to someone and they share with you a lesson that you need to learn. Or you being inspired by the idea you needed as you were taking a walk on the beach. The possibilities for how God may send us guidance are infinite. So just keep your intentions clear and keep reminding yourself of your intention. What is it that you intend to do and why do you intend to do it? Because we are forgetful creatures. So on that note, I will actually wrap up this khutbah with a reminder that in order for us to fully commit to something, there are three most important factors. Number one, commit to doing no harm to yourself or others. Number two, create an environment of loving support and accountability. And number three, love yourself fully as you work to fulfill your intention. And finally, remember, God commands justice, doing good, and generosity towards relatives. And God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Wa'akimna as-salaam. Let's perform the prayer.